Our guest today is an attorney who has been in the national news for his investigative work seeking to expose election fraud in Wisconsin. He is also uh, in the news a lot being quoted because he represents the mother of Hunter Biden's child in Arkansas. Clint Lancaster is going to be speaking with us momentarily on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 269 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Thursday, October 27th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners. Most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Without any further ado, uh, we are delighted and honored to welcome our guest, Attorney Clint Lancaster, to the program in the vain hope he may be able to help us reinstill some sense of decorum to today's proceedings. Sir, how are you? I'm doing good, Doc. Thank you again for having me on your show. Yes, sir. Thank you. One of the things I want to ask you about, a lot of um, us conservatives, me included, had high hopes about special counsel John Durham early on, but several years into uh, the process that he is in, we have been somewhat disappointed that he seems to only be targeting um, the small fry, peripheral characters, um, and I spoke a few weeks ago to Cash Patel, who's also a brilliant attorney. And this was before, uh, the not guilty verdicts for Igor, Igor Danchenko, but certainly after the ones for uh, Clinton campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman and Cash Patel said, look, I've known Durham for years. He is a stand-up guy, just like we always heard, you know, a modicum of integrity he said, even though Sussman was found not guilty, um, Cash Patel was encouraged that that Durham was able to get a lot of stuff on the record, and that seems to be the same case with the Danchenko trial. He was targeting Danchenko, but really put it out there that the FBI looked really bad for the way they handled the whole um, crossfire hurricane. Russian uh, collusion hoax matter. And I guess the question is, at this point, where does he go next? Because a lot of us, well, not a lot of us, but a few of us are wondering, okay, is the problem not so much Durham's focus, but the fact that the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, his, his boss, and probably won't let him do a lot of the things that he would like to do. Your thoughts, sir? 
Well, so first off, there is a value to uh, attempting to get convictions on some of the smaller fries. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, let's just take a, a more close-to-home type of example, and let's talk about the disgraced Senator Jeremy Hutchinson. Yeah. Okay? If you look, if you look at what happened in that case, that case was slow to progress to, uh, to trials and convictions, but it eventually got there. But Jeremy Hutchinson, by being the first kind of smaller fryer, you know, if you want to call him that, the first one to kind of really turn on the lobbyist and the other people who were sending him the bribes, that's kept him out of federal prison so far. And so, and it's also enabled the, the DOJ to get some convictions. So there is some benefit to going after those that are not uh, the high-profile people. I, I, but I'm like you, Doc. I'm frustrated. I mean, you know, I want these, I want these people to get the show on the road. I mean, yeah. they have no problem indicting uh, Republicans and, and sending them to prison. But, you know, we're really dragging our feet on some of the, the Democrats who have done the same thing, and I'm unhappy about that as well. Yeah, so any, um, any thoughts, any predictions uh, where this is going to go? Um, do you think uh, Durham's just going to kind of wrap things up and issue a report, or is he going to try to plug along and, and maybe, you think, get some uh, bigger names? I don't know. It's kind of, you know, and I'll say that while prefacing it with this. The, the DOJ is not necessarily, brace yourself for this, okay? Yeah, yeah. They're not necessarily some independent, righteous, legal organization, okay? Right. They, are, they are dealt with, um, there's a strange sort of uh, uneasy relationship sometimes between DOJ lawyers and the FBI. The DOJ sometimes doesn't think that the FBI is investigating in the ways or manners or people that they should, uh, but they don't have the ability, and you would think they would, they don't really have the ability to make changes to how those things operate. It's, it's, it's a problematic type of situation, and I don't think that Durham has got all the support and all the, uh, like the separation from that swamp of DOJ lawyers who have really become weaponized to be uh, the, the federal government's kind of Gestapo lawyers. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a lot of people don't realize that the number two person at DOJ um, on the uh, organizational flow chart right below the Attorney General Merrick Garland is the Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, and she was a very big force in the Obama administration and uh, a very key player in putting together the Russia collusion hoax. And unfortunately, uh, in the nomination process, Senate Judiciary Committee, they paired her with somebody else there trying to get in a top position of the Justice Department. So no Republican senators asked her any questions. And when the uh, nomination went to the floor for a vote, uh, she passed 98 to 2. Ted Cruz and Rand Paul voted against her, and that was it. Um, so a lot of people think that, think that Merrick Garland, you know, he doesn't have dementia like uh, like uh, Biden, but but he's, he's definitely past his expiration date, past his prime, and she's kind of running things uh, from behind. So, you know, you, you see all these uh, ridiculous over-indictments of all these January 6th political prisoners 
And because no judge will allow a change of venue, uh, and you, the jury pools are from uh, Washington, D.C., which voted 94% for Biden, uh, they always find these people guilty in record time of whatever is up there, while at the same time, they're starting to do the same thing against uh, pro-life protesters uh, banging on doors at 6 o'clock in the morning. But nothing about whoever leaked the Dobbs um, memorandum from the Supreme Court. Uh, no, no arrests of anybody who's firebombed a pregnancy resource center. Um, no arrests of anyone breaking the law for protesting in front of Supreme Court justices' homes. Uh, so it's outrageous to me, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to um, filibuster here, but it's outrageous to me to hear Merrick Garland talk about uh, this is a fair and even-handed Department of Justice, and we administer justice without fear or favor. Well, we all know that's a lie. So... I don't know what you do with that unless you can somehow elect a Republican president in 2024. Yeah, you know, there's uh, – let me say this. So, first off, Monaco, you know, not only was she, you know, instrumental for doing so much in Obama and all the things you mentioned, she actually was used to vet potential running mates for Joe Biden. And I don't believe for a minute that Joe Biden – you know, I think he has, his administration has put people in place that will do the dirty work. They are the hit men and hit women of the Democratic Party, and Monaco's one of them. And if you look at what Merrick Garland has done, okay, Merrick Garland, Garland who was, did not make it to the Supreme Court of the United States, I'm, I don't know if he's bitter about that, but I probably would be. Uh, and that was some Republicans who held him up from making the court. Yeah. The, what he, he's done is he has rejuvenated the Civil Rights Division of the United States Attorney's Office. And if you don't know what the Civil Rights Division does, they are the group of special prosecutors who travel the country and, and will criminally charge people who violate your civil rights if you're a government official or something of that nature. So if you have an excessive police force situation, the Civil Rights Division could show up and indict you and take you to trial. Well, now that Dobbs has come out and has done away with abortion in so many states, the rejuvenated Civil Rights Division is targeting anti-abortion protesters. And I have, I have a number of these clients, Doc, and I'm going to tell you, these people, Chet Gallagher, Cal Zastro, um, Heather Idoni, uh, Dennis Green, and there's one lady in particular, Eva Edel, who is an 80-something-year-old concentration camp survivor. They have indicted this 80-year-old concentration camp survivor for standing in front of a door and blocking access to an abortion clinic in Tennessee. And so wow. and they, they were charged here in Arkansas with criminal trespassing, which is small potatoes compared to a felony violation of the Free Access to Clinics Entrances Act. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're indicted. I mean, we're talking about Christian people who are just trying to keep people from killing innocent kids. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to make them look at two felony charges 
with 11 years each on them. That is not. You look at that, you look at the search of Mar-a-Lago, Mark Halk out of Pennsylvania who was uh, indicted for uh, an anti-abortion related issue. They're coming after us. Yes. You know, they cannot, and I think I heard Biden at some point, I couldn't believe my ears. He, I thought I could have swore I heard him say, MAGA Republicans are in control of politics in America right now. And I don't know if he meant that by sheer numbers or just that's what policy is, is out there. When you can't change public sentiment and public opinion through persuasion or, you know, the normal ways, you fall back to those old ways of fear, intimidation, force. I'm going to make you so scared that you cannot, you're not willing to take the chance because bad things happen to people who stand up to the government. And they're doing that under Merrick Garland. And, and a lot of name calling. You know, uh, Biden's been doing a lot of name calling. And, you know, I, I hate to go back to 1930s Germany, but it all started with name calling. It all started with... Uh, you know, making these people the scapegoats. Uh, they're, they're the other. They're different than us. Um, and we're seeing it again, um, name-calling ad hominem. Uh, you know, when I'm on social media and I ha- get into arguments with liberals and they just start calling names, I tend to say ad hominem tends to betray a frustration with the inability to construct a persuasive, coherent argument. In other words, that, that all you got, Really? But the problem is so many people are susceptible to slogans as opposed to thinking things through. Um, but, again... And, and, you know, that's an old trick, Doc. Yeah. That's an old, old trick. Because if you think back to before the Bible was printed in, in, a, in a language that the average person could read, the only people who could really read the Bible were the Catholic priests and members of the Catholic Church, and they told the people what it said and they told them how they should think about it and they did the same thing in germany and pre-world war ii or it's the same i compared this statement from joe biden to some anti uh anti-jewish propaganda that you might have heard in germany here's what joe biden recently said about airlines he said that if you want an extra six inches of space in front of your chair on an airline seat you have to pay for it he called that a junk fee and he said that it marginalized low-income Americans, especially those of color. So what does that sound like to you? That is 100% inflammatory rhetoric. Oh, yeah. Hey, you people, you're, you're out there. They're out to get you. We, the government, we're going to get them back for you. We're going to get rid of this. We're going to call them out. And so people start thinking. They just get that mindset that they're, they're out to get me and these people are here trying to help me, and I don't deserve to have to pay more for six inches of space. I fly a lot. If you don't want six inches of space, don't pay for it. Right. You know, or go buy your own airplane. Well, this is the same Joe Biden in 2012 told a, told a predominantly black audience that Mitt Romney was going to put him back in chains. The same Joe Biden who was being interviewed uh, by a, uh, a black DJ out of New York City uh, going into the 2020 election, who said, we still have some questions, VP Biden. And he said, look, if, you, if you're still trying to figure out whether you're going to support me or support Trump, you ain't black. But because he's got Democrat by his name, he can say all these racist things. I mean, the, these are the kinds of things that would, um, 
you know, bring a Republican campaign to an end. You know, you, you got you to drop out. The party would make you drop out if you said things that racist. But this is, this is what we're dealing with and who we're dealing with. And, you know, it's so important. Elections have consequences. You mentioned the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. I know under President Trump, a good man named Eric Dryband was the Assistant Attorney General for the Civil Rights Division. His chief of staff was uh, an Arkansan, Patricia Nation, um, who, you know, had a, a long history uh, in the judicial system here in, in Arkansas, and they were actually trying to do good works on this earth as opposed to just lashing out against the political, political opponents of, of the current president. Um, so speaking of the unequal administration of justice, um, so this was in the uh, New York Post yesterday, Miranda Devine, um, Right-wing nonprofit research group Marco Polo finally has published its Hunter Biden laptop opus, a thorough forensic examination of every document on the first son's notorious MacBook computer that he abandoned at Delaware repair shop in April 2019. The 634-page report, plus over 2,000 footnotes, lists uh, six alleged crimes committed by Joe Biden including tax evasion and violations of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA, alongside 459 crimes it alleges were committed by Hunter, including illegal foreign lobbying and money laundering. Now, I know you're in kind of perhaps a precarious position because you are representing, or at least have represented, uh, the woman who bore Hunter Biden's child that he refuses to have anything to do with. Uh, that uh, Joe Biden and Jill Biden refuse to uh, acknowledge. But when, when you look at all the allegations of criminal activity by Hunter Biden, uh, do you think that he will ever be indicted? Well, you know, so first off, I do still represent Ms. Roberts, and Mr. Biden has recently filed to reduce his child support obligation. Apparently um, the artwork does, is not the same value as working – you know, in Ukraine. So uh, it's a whole nother story. But I did, you know, I, I did predict that the DOJ would indict Hunter Biden. And I, I predicted that first to the New York Times. Yeah. Uh, but for whatever reason, the New York Times, I guess uh, I'm a little bit too red to quote in the New York Times. I have no idea, but they didn't want to name me. They named me as a, an, a, an anonymous source, uh, though I didn't ask for that. Good and grief. then I think it was the post that called me and I had a more lengthy conversation with them. Um, I do. I do not know why they have not gone ahead and indicted him. And if they don't indict him, it will be, in my opinion, a, a textbook example of privilege, of what happens when you are a privileged white male. Okay? And when I say I'm not saying, hey, privileged white males are people who work hard. I mean, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I don't think Hunter Biden has the same level of exposure as you and I, Doc. Yeah. I don't think that – and I think that's wrong. I mean, the guy clearly has admitted he didn't pay his taxes. Um, you know, and there are other things that are out there as well. So 
I don't know. Are they waiting to unseal the indictment until after the midterms? Because sure. I always think that's stupid. Let's not let's not have the voting population know about certain levels of corruption until after their time to make changes at the polls. We don't want to give them that information. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but I do think he if he doesn't get indicted, he one hundred percent sure he sure should. And I'll guarantee you that if I didn't pay my taxes on millions of dollars of foreign income, how fast do you think they would indict me? How fast do you think they would invite indict Donald Trump Jr.? How how oh, yeah. Eric Trump. Sure. You know, off with their heads. But but Hunter Biden gets to, you know, continue to walk around freely. If I recall correctly, when his girlfriend, his brother's widow, was concerned he had a gun, um, and she threw it in a garbage can uh, outside of a grocery store across the street from a high school. And that kind of got to be a mini scandal that most of us didn't hear about at the time. I believe, and, and this was this was while Trump was president, so his dad was out of office, but I believe it was Secret Service agents who kind of ran cover for him. Um, you talk about privilege. When you when you got government agencies um, seeking to protect legal exposure for the son of a former vice president who's not even in office at this point, um, when you got the FBI concocting a scheme to try to keep Hillary Clinton's opponent from getting elected in the first place, putting all this garbage out there that they know is not true because they know the Steele dossier cannot be corroborated because they offered Steele a million dollars and he couldn't do it. They know Steele's uh, primary source, Igor Danchenko, just made a bunch of stuff up from bar talk, and yet, and yet this was the foundation for an almost two-year, $45 million investigation by Robert Mueller, who also knew it wasn't true, lied under oath when, you know, called in to testify after the uh, report came out, acted like he didn't know anything about Fusion GPS, Crossfire Hurricane, whatever. Um, you, you, you get the impression that when Donald Trump talked about deep state, he, he had a lot to go on, right? Oh, I believe there's a deep state. I 100% believe that. And I'll tell you, this is what I think is one of the major contributing factors, okay? To be an FBI agent, to be any type of federal law enforcement agent, there are two type of general overarching qualifications, prior law enforcement and military of a certain number of years, and a college education, okay? So when these kids go to college, all they get is liberalism pumped into their veins yeah. and crammed down their throat, and then we send those people out and put them in, in federal law enforcement positions. Yeah. Of course they're going to be furthering their ideologies they learn at their liberal education while they were protesting the right, uh, the, were protesting because they couldn't get enough abortions or not enough free tax money, whatever. I think we ought to take the hardworking people of the United States of America, the hardworking people of Arkansas who raised their kids right to know the difference between right from wrong and to be bold enough to take a stand and stand for it, let's take those people, regardless of their education, let's take them and make them federal law enforcement officers because I think that the world would be a better place if we had men and women of character instead of men and women of a liberal education. And I, I want to be clear 
I, uh, that sounds very generalized. I understand that there are good people in law enforcement, especially sure. at the federal level, but there also isn't. And we have to, we have to do something about that to help just protect our freedoms. Yeah, no question about it. And, um, so the concern here is, I don't know if you've seen this in the last uh, day or so, the secretary of state of the state of Pennsylvania is saying, Hey, um, look, we, uh, it took, it could take a few days, uh, after the election, November 8th to figure out who, whether Republican or Democrat wins the uh, nod for governor, whether Republican or Democrat gets elected U S Senator. And also comes out that her office quote, mistakenly unquote, sent out 240,000 ballots to uh, voters that weren't actually verified as being actual voters. And so I, you know, on my episode of the Doc Washburn show podcast I did last night, I said, I'm calling it right now. They're going to steal Pennsylvania uh, for gubernatorial candidate, Josh Shapiro and senatorial candidate, John Fetterman. They're going to steal it for them. Just like they stole it for, uh, for Biden in 2020. I mean, they're they're telling you in real time, although, well, you know, it's not like we're going to know election night. Um, So, I have been very concerned that unless the five swing states who all stopped counting ballots the same point election night 2020, unless those five states get things squared away, then no matter how many votes Trump or DeSantis or whoever Republican nominee is in 2024 gets, they will steal it for Biden or whoever the Democrat nominee is. Do you share those concerns? I do share those concerns, and are you familiar with Biden Executive Order fourteen zero one nine? Yeah, that's the one. Of- yeah, that's the one where he is telling every federal agency to look for ways to encourage more people to vote. And I saw, um, I think, as a Federalist is saying that that there was a uh, Freedom of Information Act request. They wanted the correspondence that led to that. Um, executive order and um and the government slow walking the doj is slow walking responding to the foia yeah so i'm going to read just for uh, just from the section one purpose section of this executive order yeah and, I, and i'm i'm gonna it's not the first sentence it's down but here's what it says for generations black voters and other voters of color have faced discriminatory policies and other obstacles that disproportionately affect their communities. And so what this executive order goes on to do is it says, hey, you've got to help get out the vote for black and minority voters, okay? Yeah. Why is that important? Okay, well, first off, statistics show, and I'm not a racist, okay? These are statistics. You can find this number from the Pew Research. The research shows that a very high number of African Americans vote Democrat. Yeah. Okay. So what they're what they're wanting, this order is authorizing federal agencies to get out the vote for black voters, for minority voters, for low income voters, and to ensure and try to do their best to ensure that their ballot is in before election day. Yeah. Why? Why would they do that? Well, because they know that African American voters typically vote Democrat and they know that they typically don't show up to the polls. So if you don't get an absentee ballot in from those people, then they may very well just not vote. And yeah. what we saw in Wisconsin was they went, they went door-to-door in cases, only to black voters, 
for absentee ballots and absentee ballot issues. They would pass up a white voter, a Republican voter, to go to a, a target voter. And let me just say, if I did that, if I said, hey, we're not going to help black, well, we're not going to do anything to make it easier for black people to vote. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go out and get the white people's ballots and federal agencies. You've got to help get white people's ballots in on time. Don't worry too much about the black ones. You know, what would happen? There is no way that uh, that would survive or pass constitutional muster. And so I'm not sure why it is the federal government gets to discriminate against people in favor of one other, and it's okay, but no one else can do it. If You, you know, it's just that bothers me at a deep level, and I'm really thinking about suing um, in federal court over it if I ever can find some time and a client that wants the, wants the case. Yeah, well, I don't blame you. The Foundation for Government Accountability uh, sued the DOJ back in April after DOJ officials failed to respond to their open records request from July of 2021. And DOJ turned over a few records to the, this foundation last month. Documents were heavily redacted, and they did not include the DOJ's 15-page strategic plan on how the agency intends to comply with Biden's executive order. So, Well, of course they don't want to give you the documents that shows how they're going to implement a racially discriminatory policy. Well, that needs to be redacted. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's outrageous to me, and... Um, you know, by all accounts, everybody believes Republicans are going to take the House back and take the Senate back, uh, and they may, and I hope they do. Uh, but still, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop going into um, the 2024 presidential election. And for those people who didn't hear our last interview, if you can tell them briefly uh, what you discovered in Wisconsin. So in Wisconsin, I went to, I was in Wisconsin in 2020 where my wife and I were members of President Trump's legal team on the challenge there. And then I, as a result of that, I went back in 2021 and into 2022 working as an attorney for Wisconsin Special Counsel uh, Michael Gableman. And while I was there, one of the big revelations that, that I found was a ballot harvesting app. And I just thought, you know, here's here are these people asking for GIS data, and we can see they're taking poll book data, and they're trying to get real-time access to poll book data, and they eventually did. And finally, I found a video of this guy who created the app. He was just so proud, and he talked about how he had real-time live access to Wisconsin's poll books, and this was access that no one else had. And even if you wanted it, you'd have to pay like $100,000 and wait three days to get it, and then wow. it was three days late, but they had it in real time. Good grief. And he talked about how this this app was designed to, uh, to help rectify historical wrongs to African Americans. He even said, we're concerned about black voters. And then what would happen was you could pull up, you could click buttons, little check boxes on the app, and it would pull up absentee ballots that had been um, requested but not returned, or yeah. absentee ballots that had defects that needed to be fixed. And then he would further narrow that down to race. And then what would happen is an interactive map would become populated with these little dots. And they were different colored dots and different colored 
dots had, you know, blue dots might have been ballots not returned yet. And then purple dots might have been ballots that lacked the signature they were supposed to have. And so using their CTCL money, they bought Acer tablets, or like a cheap iPad tablet, and I believe they put the mapping software on those and gave those to the voter navigators, is what they called them. They, I guess ballot harvesters is just a bit too real. And so they gave them to the voter navigators and sent them out to go get those ballots or fix them. And, and they would literally, just like you would do Waze or Google Maps, it would take you right to that person's door. Just not a problem. And then it's knock, knock, knock. Hey, Miss Jones, I see you haven't returned your absentee ballot yet. Uh, you, you know, we got to make sure your vote counts. And so do you want me to take that to the drop box for you? Yeah. And so that is, that is how election, you know, th- that's the major way that the election got stolen in Wisconsin, coupled in with drop boxes and other illegal things that, you know, illegal ballot return places. They let, they let a private citizen run the Green Bay election out of a hotel. Um, and that, so and he wasn't sworn. He wasn't an election official. He was just a private person working for a subsidiary of CTCL ran the Green Bay election and determined whose votes would count and whose votes wouldn't count. And there was evidence that he instructed people to count ballots that came in too late on election night. And so that's, that's, that's a small fraction of what we found in Wisconsin. But the same person who was involved in making or assisting in the app in Wisconsin was very present in Georgia and Pennsylvania and Michigan. And, um, and he's just deeply concerned about these places. I don't know why. He lives in Washington State. His name is Ari Steinberg, and he was a software engineer for Facebook. He actually is, I believe he's the guy who created Facebook Messenger. And so it's no surprise that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is giving millions of dollars to these cities, and, oh, here's his engineer to help you with the app. So uh, by CTCL, are you talking about the Center for Tech and Civic Life? That's correct. They got the majority of the Zuckerbucks. Um, headed by Tiana Epps Johnson, uh, an Obama fellow, and who whose office is in Barack Obama's campaign office, his old campaign office in Chicago. That's who we're talking about. Wow! 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 Yeah. So obviously, this thing is corrupt. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, yeah, it is. It, it, it what's what's really interesting about it is the, the complexity of which they designed this. You could go back and read David Pluff's book, A Guide to Beating, A Citizen's Guide to Beating Donald Trump, and what, what Pluff said, and Pluff was the campaign manager for Obama. Um, he's widely considered to be a Democratic genius in campaigns. He yeah. said it's going to be, we lost, we lost 2016 because we didn't do enough to get out the black vote in cities like Philadelphia, Detroit and Milwaukee, and lo and behold, they got the majority of the money. Wow, indeed they did. Um, and it just seems like a lot of Republicans are asleep at the switch. I know on our last interview, you told me that you actually, as part of the investigation up there, you're working for uh, former uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Gableman, and you guys 
um, subpoenaed um, not only Dominion, but also ES&S. And I believe you told me that Dominion ignored the subpoena. ES&S threatened to sue you. When I asked, where did you go from there? That's when you said the Republican Speaker of the House of Wisconsin at that point pulled your funding so you couldn't go forward at all. But that's right. Yeah. <laughs> does it concern you that ES&S that threatened to sue you for just trying to subpoena some records? Um, we have their voting machines here in the state of Arkansas, and we're supposed to just trust them that they are doing everything, uh, you know, in an honest fashion on the up and up. Yeah, there's, and this is something that's really important. Okay. I am the junior Republican member of the Saline County election commission. All right. And I'm sure some Democrat is about to rip this quote out at some point and totally misconstrue it. But I'm going to tell you that even as an election commissioner, I don't understand how those voting machines work. Now, I mean, I get it. You know, you can touch the thing and it tabulates it. But what about the program? How does the programming handle once it goes into that tabulator? How do, how do we know it's tabulating correctly? You know, there, if we have a recount, you know, doing election litigation in Arkansas, in a recount, the official count is not the ballots that you go out and you count by hand. It's what that machine says. Yeah. And I'm just supposed to trust that those machines are counting ballots accurately, or I'm here to tell you, I don't believe that. Now, I can't, pr- I can't prove that yet, but I, I, don't, I don't trust them. And well, that, see, that draws the ire of people um, that that work in elections to say, "How could you not trust this? You're an election official, Clint. You're supposed to be instilling confidence." I don't have confidence in these machines. Now I'm going to go vote on one because that's about the only way I can vote. Yeah, uh, I can request a paper ballot, but it still runs through an ESNS tabulator. I just I don't like this. And it's, it can't be good when. Yeah, when you go to Wisconsin and you show, we showed up, and the first thing they said, this was the best election ever. It was so good, it was perfect. Like, every election should be this way. Like, okay, well, let me see how you did it. No, no, I'm not going to show you. Okay, here's a subpoena. Now you have to show me. Oh, I'm just going to sue you before I show you. Well, if everything was so great, why are you hiding it? Yeah. No, very good question, and... You know, uh, there were some unusual things that happened in the primary in Arkansas this year. And I've talked to uh, Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who was uh, running against the incumbent for the Republican nomination for U.S. representative. And it seems that there were 100,000 more votes statewide than there ordinarily would be in an off-year primary election. Uh, divided neatly, almost evenly, 25,000 per congressional district. And I'm just wondering, again, with ES&S, when when I went to – I'd always been told, now make sure that it doesn't change your vote, okay? But where my polling place, you fill out a paper ballot, you put in the machine, and I ask, okay, now how can I make sure? And they're like – Oh, no, no, honey, uh, we'll just have the, the totals at 7.30 this evening. I'm like, wait, what? So yeah, I, I uh, do you have any thoughts on how odd 
this this primary was May twenty fourth this year with all those extra votes. You know, I do think it's odd, and I have talked to Conrad Reynolds. Um, I am I'm very well aware of his concerns and his data. I, I'm familiar with it. I, I'm not at full liberty to discuss it because yeah. uh, you know there are some legal issues going on or potential legal issues that maybe just would be better not said. But I, I, I'm concerned about it because that was that's an abnormality. Okay, so when you have an abnormality like that, you have to look at all the possible explanations. Okay, one possible explanation is that yes, the machines had a program or an algorithm that uh, added votes in such a way that it was um, that it was unnatural. So I talked to one guy or heard one guy talk about it and said, you know, it's like flipping a coin. Okay. You know, if we're going to flip the coin, you know, eventually it should kind of balance out. But if I keep flipping that coin and it keeps coming up heads, I mean, how much longer are you going to lose before you quit playing this game? Because right. it's not in the odds. Right. And so that's – I've heard that. I've heard other issues. I've also got another explanation. I mean, people talk about the, the evils of dark money, and I don't think that dark money – is evil. I think that people should be able to donate and promote whatever they want. This is America. Right. It needs to be, you know, nonviolent kind of stuff. But in that primary, which was a very, very bitter primary for Conrad and French Hill, in that primary, at the, especially at the end, there was a lot of dark money that came in and started talking on both sides. Yeah. Legitimately on both sides. Yeah. But they were targeting they were targeting the person sitting at home watching the five and six o'clock news. Yeah. Okay. Those people are not necessarily the same people who are coming to the Republican County Committee meetings, who are helping craft policy and and the uh, platform of the party. These are people just say that say, I gotta get out and I gotta vote because if not Conrad Reynolds is going to take us to the dark ages, or if I don't, French Hill is going to run us under. And so you had people come out, and maybe in higher numbers than previously, as a result of the uh, the just the advertising on TV. And that might, and I, I think that's a possible explanation because it explains the number of undervotes. So an undervote is when you don't vote on every single race. So you might vote for French Hill or Sarah Sanders or yeah. um, Doc Washburn and then not vote for sheriff or dog catcher or whatever else. And so we saw those higher numbers in some of those key races, and then we saw undervotes. And what I attributed that to as an election commissioner was just these people were motivated by a TV ad to come and vote on a specific race, and then they didn't know anything about the down ballot, and so they didn't vote it. And yeah, that that's an explanation. But also, I have no, I have, I have less evidence for that possible explanation than I do for other explanations. Well, look, when you look at the fact that we're talking about roughly a hundred thousand extra votes over what would be expected for an off-year primary election in Arkansas and pretty evenly divided 25,000 per congressional district. And you look at the fact that uh, Bruce Westerman, who was, who is, he represents the fourth district as Southern and Western Arkansas and even a little bit of Northwest. And he didn't have a primary opponent this year. So 
why would his district get just as many of these extra voters as the other three districts that did have primary opponents? It's just, it, it really smells to high heaven to me. Well, one thing that's, that's even more strange in that same vein to me is how John Bozeman did not get uh, forced into a runoff. Yeah. He had some popular candidates running against him, and, and yeah. I think at least he had three opponents, okay, yep. two of which um, had some fire under him. And so, and uh, the uh, Heath guy, I mean, he's, I think he's a good conservative. He would, I think, I, I like him. He's, a, he's someone I think would do a good job, but he lacked the, ra- the name recognition of Paquette, who played for the Razorbacks and got a Super Bowl ring with the Patriots. But right. he didn't even get close to a runoff. Or, that's odd to me. That, that struck me as really odd. Well, again, if you didn't have the 100,000 extra votes, um, Senator Bozeman probably would have been in a runoff. Um, Attorney General Leslie Rutledge, running for lieutenant governor, probably would have been in a runoff. For sure, Colonel Reynolds would have beat French Hill. I mean, Conrad Reynolds did internal polling. He knew if he got over 30,000 votes, he was going to win that primary. He got 35,000, and then French Hill got, like, Biden kind of numbers that just had never been seen in an off-year uh, primary election before. So I think there's just a lot of skepticism um, about the way the whole thing went down. But again, as long as we're using ESNS and the votes aren't even counted in Arkansas, and one other thing nobody ever talks about, the problem I think is not so much the voting machines, is the fact that the process, you know, it used to be that votes were counted in each precinct, and so be make it very difficult to steal anything. Um, but the votes are counted at one central location now, and it seems like it would make it easier uh, to do some uh, uh, what the old people used to call hijinks and tomfoolery. Well, you know, keep in mind that just out of this last primary cycle, okay, people forget. People think that Republicans don't cheat. That's, that's part of the problem is people think Republicans don't cheat. Well, in Crawford County, they cheated Jody Harris out of being on the ballot in November, and they did it by what I think is old-fashioned ballot box stuffing. They counted, they counted absentee ballots way after the time to count and when the, the results were projected across the, uh, the district. And they got away with it. I mean, they, they let a non-sworn citizen handle blank absentee ballots. They let a non-sworn citizen mark absentee ballots in Crawford County, Arkansas. Okay? Wow. That, this isn't some foreign war. This thing's here on your doorstep, and it has to be. It not only has to appear to be fair, it has to be fair and both appear to be fair because if it doesn't appear to be fair, people will lose faith in the system, they'll quit voting, and that's what they want. They want you to give up. Yeah, no question about it. Let me ask you, um, I need to, co- to do a couple of um, commercial announcements here real quick. Can I do that and then come back and ask you a couple of more things? Sure, that would be great, Doc. I'll just hang out. Fantastic. Good deal. Our guest is attorney... Clint Lancaster, more coming up straight ahead. Um, I just want to remind you how much we appreciate our advertisers. They are our friends, and they make it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show day in and day out now into our second year. So listen to me. 
If you tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. If you're still in central Arkansas, because a lot of our listeners aren't, and you're like, yeah, that sounds great, but I'd like to just go in and meet with somebody. Uh, Red River has several locations in central Arkansas. Also, if you're buying online, their experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has an Explore Payment Options button on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for you. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental U.S., redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. Now, speaking of being glad, and by the way, thank you, Mitch Ward, proprietor of Red River. Appreciate you. Speaking of being glad you did, Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for veterans and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. And look, when you think about it, our number one priority in this life should be to glorify God in all that we do. And that's why I jumped at the chance to change my cell phone carrier, one of the big liberal ones, to Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. All you have to do is just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based Customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activization. Also, Patriot Mobile now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. If you're a conservative-owned business, tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business. Learn more at business. 
www.patriotmobile.com or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Make sure you use business code or promo code, promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or 469-FREEDOM. All right, let me uh, let me bring uh, Clint Lancaster back up here. Um, so, Counselor, do you think there's any chance of getting the Arkansas State Legislature to pass some regulation making it more difficult to cheat in an election in the state of Arkansas? I like to think so. You know, I, I'm ever the optimist. I... I had a chance to view, and I've been very fortunate in that I've I've been on the cutting edge of a lot of election integrity stuff lately. Yeah, and I, I there's a push, and it's a legitimate push to go back to paper ballots, and um, they make a special kind of paper ballot that has a holographic watermark on it. You can't see it unless you hit this ballot with just a regular flashlight, and then you can see. The, the watermark, and that exists to prevent people from just running down to, you know, FedEx and printing a bunch of ballots. Um, you know, you can't, that's, that's one problem that you could have. And then the idea is these ballots have a QR code on them, a, a code you can scan with your phone or you can take a tear off and take with you. And then they count those ballots and then they post those ballots on the internet. And then you use your QR code to find your ballot so you can see how your ballot, in other words, you're like when you had said earlier, Doc, how do I know my vote didn't get changed? Well, you can go look online and see what your ballot looks like. Not only that, if you have questions about the results, you can go out and count all the ballots yourself and do your own recount. And then number three, you could take a group of like-minded people, let's just say you've got 50 friends spread out across the, the state or whatever, and y'all all, all want to see if your ballot was manipulated or altered, you could all go look at your own ballots and verify, yes, that was, that was how my ballot was, or no, it wasn't, or my ballot didn't get counted, this isn't right. But it takes out all this, all this stuff about tabulators and how do they work and what happened to my ballot, how, how do I know that you know, these aren't fake votes, uh, that kind of stuff. And my wife, Jennifer, has the, one of the better ideas. She says we should film. We should make a cam- put a camera above the table where these people are counting ballots and live stream that to the world. Let everybody see yeah. from the comfort of their computer or their phone the counting of ballots. I mean, some people want to watch paint dry. Some people want to watch grass grow. If you want to watch ballots get counted, you should have that opportunity. Absolutely. Now, I know that you were suing, I believe, the, uh, the state on behalf of one of the Republican candidates for state legislature in Crawford County, Arkansas, uh, because of the old-fashioned ballot stuffing that you guys allege was going on there, uh, what was the disposition of your uh, legal action there? What happened? So, so we we uh, got dismissed the first time around, and I appealed, and the Arkansas Supreme Court agreed. It's you know one of the few times I think that court has agreed with me, uh, but they reversed, and when they reversed, they put us back into court, and they said, hey. Um, you, you know, you can consider to transfer this case from, 
Franklin County to Crawford County, and Judge Sutterfield, who was wonderful in Franklin County, he, he had said back when he had to dismiss it the first time that he wanted this case to be heard and it needed to be heard. And so he did transfer it, transfer it to Crawford, and we got a special judge. And, you know, what did they do? They dismissed it again on some technicality that I adamantly disagree with. Wow. But, yeah, when I talked to my client, you know, we're talking about another expedited appeal, still haven't got the thing. And at some point, you know, you have to wonder, is, is with my client, and she would, I'll just tell you, she legitimately wondered, am I using my, the best, my time and my effort the best? She yeah. is a Jody Harris is a big, big fighter against wokeism. She's standing up in the schools in Northwest Arkansas, standing up against wokeism, gender this, gender that. Yeah, she's out there making a difference, and she decided that it would be a better use of her time, talent, and, and resources to continue to fight in Northwest Arkansas where her children live rather than fight for election integrity in Crawford County where she does not live. Yeah, well, that's you know everybody's got to um, count the cost and figure out what the what the priority should be, you know, at a particular point in the in the in the process. No question about that. Um, speaking of the state legislature, I think one of the finest people I've ever met uh, who has been elected to office is a state a state senator uh, named Alan Clark out of Lonsdale, Arkansas. Um, and there has been a process going on that a lot of people within the sound of our voices may not be aware of, but I believe that he is being unfairly targeted uh, for his honesty in the state Senate. And I found out before we came on the show today that, uh, that you are actually representing a state center, Alan Clark, out of Garland County, Arkansas, and I was wondering what you could tell us about what is going on and, and the process in that, that whole case. Well, so, yes, I, I have been very fortunate in that I got to represent Senator Clark, and I'll just say, you know, Senator Clark is my senator. The way his, his district is, is drawn, it, it encompasses the, my street, and, you know, I'm on the edge of it that he was my senator, and I think he's one of the most conservative voices that uh, exist at the state capitol, and um, it was a privilege. I've never been on the Senate floor, and I don't think I would have been able to get on the Senate floor had I not been able to represent um, Senator Clark, so I'm very grateful for that experience. You know, what this case comes down to, and, and I also say I, I really, really like Kim Hammer, who's another senator from the Central Arkansas, Saline County area, who chairs the ethics uh, committee that levied charges against Alan Clark, I, I think that this comes down to Senator Clark having some legitimate points about how money is handed out to senators and how it should be returned. And I, he, as a result of his overarching points and the way in which he conveyed them, the Senate Ethics Committee thought that was inappropriate. And they have now stripped him of his seniority, the use of his office, the use of staff, the use of his email. Okay, uh, this is a, I, I think it's a little bit extreme. Um, I think that he is, uh, I, don't, I don't like it. I would prefer that the Republican-controlled Senate 
not go out and eat their own. Um, yeah, that's really that's really what I feel has happened here, and I don't like it. Um, I got a lot of respect for Alan Clark, and I've got a lot of respect for Kim Hammer, but I don't like what happened to Alan Clark. I don't either, and you know when when you look at it. He showed up for a meeting one day and fell ill and, and I think asked uh, another senator, would you sign me in? And I think that some of the, uh, the old guard people in charge there were just looking for an excuse uh, to try to nail him to the wall. And I think, think they took that excuse. And the fact that he discovered and exposed some things, which I believe were very embarrassing, to leadership, including the fact that legislators have been paid per diem, uh, you know, mileage and stuff for, for going to work at the legislature from different parts of the state on the weekends, something they never do. Um, I, I think probably just about everybody but Alan Clark should be censured, but you're not going to get a majority vote of everybody else saying, well, actually, we're wrong and we're worse than this guy. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, there is some, I, I think there's some shady things that I've heard about that, you know, about just about how like there'll be carpooling down from North Arkansas and instead of uh, just a person who drove getting the mileage reimbursement, everybody who carpooled, carpooled got the reimbursement um, and they didn't drive. So they shouldn't have got a mileage reimbursement. And yeah. I, I think it's thing. I mean, look, being a state senator is not going to, make you rich okay i mean this is not the avenue i mean maybe being a u.s senator will get you there but a state senator won't and so i think that that they do have ways to find uh, more money to get paid in situations and I, i think that senator clark had a good point about how a senator had been overpaid that he brought um a complaint against and i think that's good i mean you know when alan clark was Dinged for being uh, for signing in on that boy state list um, when he didn't attend. He said, "Okay, well, I made a mistake, you know, but look at all these other people too. If we're gonna if we're gonna throw rocks, let's clean the house, kind of thing." And it uh, didn't go over well. Um, but regardless, it didn't. It does not rate gutting a sitting Arkansas senator. I mean, how is he supposed to adequately represent his constituents? When he doesn't have the resources that other senators have, and he doesn't have, um, you know, even access to his email. I mean, that's just, you're just hurting the people there. Yeah, and I think it's ridiculous to punish somebody for a one-time mistake, whereas there are patterns of consistent years-long corruption that are just being ignored because apparently every. Most other people in the legislature, not everybody, maybe, but most other people are guilty of it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, um, I, I think that you know his his suspension and his sanctions didn't result necessarily. I mean, there were some sanctions tied to the Boys State signing in deal, but the, the actions the Senate took against him were for comments he made publicly about you know how other there were other irregularities. And, you know, I, look, I don't always – let's just take Donald Trump, for, for example, okay? I have a hard time, you know, supporting absolutely everything Donald Trump has said. Yeah. Uh, but I, those politics are on point. 
and his values are on point, his political values are on point. And so if you don't like what Alan Clark said, fine. You don't like it, but you shouldn't sanction the guy because you don't like what he said. And I think that's what happened. Yeah, I I think so too. A no good deed goes unpunished, and I think it's outrageous. Um, Getting back here just momentarily, um, with everything that's come out about Hunter Biden and um, all the videos out there of him living in the lap of luxury uh, and spending – I think five figures a month to rent a palatial uh, mansion, condo, whatever, out in Southern California. I'm trying to figure out how it would make sense to anyone, including a judge, that uh, suddenly he needs to reduce his support because he's fallen on hard, hard times financially. I, I One of the things you have to do as a lawyer, I think, is to try to um, – understand the mindset of the opposing party. Have you been able to do that in this case? Yeah, you know, I've, uh, it's actually kind of interesting because I, I got to, I got much more acquainted with Hunter Biden than I normally would an opposing party. Um, in the first round, uh, when I found out, you know, where his address was, the first thing I did was I went to Zillow and I uh, ripped off a uh, screenshot of his house on Zillow. And I want to tell you, it's beautiful. I think Scarlett Johansson lives down the street. Um, his house overlooks um, Hollywood. You can see the um, Hollywood sign from his pool, and you can see the Griffith Observatory, and he's driving around in a, a nice new Porsche. And, uh, yeah, of course, he. but all the whole time, he, he, there was attorneys, he's saying, I'm broke, I can't afford child support. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure, you know, so... The case ended up settling, and um, and now I, we got a new motion to reduce his child support. Uh, but this is now his art is out there, and so I have asked for an accounting of all the things he is, the works of art he has created, how much they're priced at, where they're located, um, how much they're selling for. I want to know. There's a lawyer from Southern California. I think his name is uh, Keith Morris or something. He's a uh, he, he has been, um, I think they call him a sugar brother to Hunter Biden. I want to know what this guy has paid him. I want to know what James Biden has paid for Hunter Biden. I want to know what president has paid for, Joe, or for Hunter Biden. I, I want to know I want to know it all because I don't believe for one minute that this guy is broke. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe that. I do believe that he doesn't want to support his child. I absolutely believe that but I don't believe he doesn't have the money. Well, it's counterintuitive, I think, to even uh, take seriously that possibility. It just, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, but uh, one of the things in this conversation, when you're saying, I want to know it all, like you know, how much did his, quote, paintings, unquote, sell for, are you interested at all in who purchased them? Well, that, yes, I've, I've sent out discovery this week on that. And, yes, I'm interested in who purchased them, um, how much. I mean, you, I want to know, I, I know everything about them. Like, you know, I know that some of them are in a gallery somewhere. Some of them were paid for uh, but not picked up yet. Um, yeah. There's not a I, – I spent some time – really thinking about how I wanted to ask these questions. And I don't fully expect Hunter Biden to give me 
answers or honest answers with it. Um, but I, I, yeah, I've got, I'm wanting to know, and I'm wanting to know how much money he got from the Bohai China deal. Yeah. I, you know, there's a, I got, I have more, like so many other people, I have more questions about Hunter Biden than I have answers. You see what made sense when we spoke to you before a while back, some months back when he, uh, compromised with you guys and you guys went to a DNA clinic on a Saturday in Oklahoma city and the paternity was proven after he had publicly denied it for so long. And then I'll never forget one of the things you said, well, he's never late with a check. And I'm thinking, yeah, it it would behoove him not to be late with a check because, um, he's been opened up to the world enough. He doesn't need to be in any kind of a legal proceeding where the opposing party, namely you and your client, uh, get to do the uh, the fun work of discovery because uh, usually that is not much fun for the person who's being discovered, right? No, that's not. It's not a lot of fun. There's a, there are hard questions that have that require serious answers, and this is a complex child support case. I mean, this is a guy who's got. I mean, I think he's got money stuffed in all kinds of places. Oh, yeah. No question about it. No you question know, about it. What's interesting about it, when I went to the uh, went to the Republican National Lawyers Association meeting in Georgia a couple of years ago, and I went and had dinner with this, uh, this attorney from Delaware, and it's a pretty small bar up there in Delaware, and he was, he was telling me that Hunter Biden – when he, you know, he started using drugs and drinking and became a, a, a liability as a lobbyist. And so they sent him home to work for one of those credit card banks in Delaware. But he was too big of a liability there, but the bank didn't want to fire him because one thing you don't do in Delaware is fire Joe Biden's kid. Yeah. And so they ended up giving him a contractor role with like a monthly stipend, but they didn't have him do anything. They just paid him. Um, and it was kind of like, well, we'll pay Hunter Biden to keep Joe happy. And the guy told me that that was really the beginning of Hunter's downward spiral where he just had uh, lots of money and no responsibility. And I, I could see that. I, I could, you know, his, uh, when Dustin McDaniel represented Hunter Biden, you know, he had told me at one point, well, you know, he doesn't have the money to pay. This will just be one of those deadbeat dad situations. He can't get a job. And I said, you can't tell me that a guy with a Yale uh, degree from Yale Law School and a law license can't get a job working in Southern California as a lawyer. Somebody will hire him. Um, and that argument went away pretty quickly. But I don't, I don't know exactly what Hunter Biden's been up to, but I intend to find out. Okay, now, Dustin McDaniel is uh, is not a stupid guy. He was attorney general of the state of Arkansas at one point when he was saying, well, deadbeat dad, he's just not going to be able to afford to pay you. Was this before it came out that Hunter had been on Air Force Two with Joe while Joe was vice president and they went to China and came back with zillions of dollars for the Biden family? Was this before uh, you or Dustin McDaniel or anybody knew about that? No, that that would be after that, and it would also be oh. after the time that we knew he had gone to Burisma to sit on the board um, and, I guess, do whatever it is that you do on the Burisma's board when you're um, the vice president's kid with no real history or experience in natural gas. But wow. you know, we were, that would be after that. We, we knew that stuff. He said that after that. 
Well, I'm going to try to bite my tongue. Mom always said discretion is a better part of valor. No, Dad said that. Discretion is a better part of valor. Mom always said, well, if you don't have anything nice to say about somebody, you must be talking about Hillary Clinton. So anyway, I'm going to try to... uh, (laughs) You know, Doc, my dad dad always said, rah, rah, re, kick him in the knee, rah, rah, wrath, kick him in the other knee. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, Clint Lancaster, thank you so much for coming on the program. I, I, I hadn't planned to keep you for an hour and 17 minutes, but I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about some stuff. And uh, perhaps we'll need to get you back on after the election because I've just got some bad feelings, especially about uh, Pennsylvania. And um, who better to talk to about election integrity and the lack thereof uh, than Clint Lancaster? Well, thank you for having me, Doc. I always enjoy our conversations and coming on your show. You've got great listeners, and you ask great questions. So I'm honored, and just please let me know when you're ready for, to hear from me again. Sure. And, and uh, before I let you run, if anybody's listening and thinking, man, this guy sounds like a pretty good lawyer. I need a pretty good lawyer. How do they get a hold of you? Uh, our office number is 501 776 2224, and we're online at www.thelancasterlawfirm.com. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, Clint Lancaster, God bless you, my son. Uh, Godspeed, and we'll all be watching closely on the evening of uh, Tuesday, November 8th, to see what happens. Sounds good, Doc. You have a great day. You too. God bless. Thank you. Wow. I, every time he comes on the show, he breaks news. Every time he comes on the show, he breaks news. I mean, for instance, we knew that Hunter Biden was the father of the child of London Roberts in Arkansas even though Hunter Biden denied it publicly for quite some time. So Clint Lancaster comes on my show and he said, yeah, well, you know, his representatives were telling me behind the scenes, you know, off the record that of course, you know, he knows her, you know, as he was denying ever having met her. So, well, but we didn't know how they proved the paternity and he kind of went through it on my show and he said, well, I guess I'm breaking news because there's so many reporters I won't talk to. Because um, they say defamatory things about my client. But, you know, I'm telling you how it happened. We had to get a DNA test. She didn't want to go to California. He didn't want to come to Arkansas. So we found a DNA lab in Oklahoma City and agreed to show up there on a Saturday morning. And we watched Chain of Custody like a hawk all day long. And, of course, the DNA was a match between Hunter Biden and his child. So that was um, that was just remarkable. And uh, Clint Lancaster is a good man. He represents a lot of good people. So it's always an honor to have him on the program. Okay, once again, we're always thankful to our advertisers, our friends, 
for making it possible for us to do what we do here day in and day out. And one of them is the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center. Are you having problems with sinuses, allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo? Do you get migraines? Is psoriasis a problem for you? Well, the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many other people that we know. Let me tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So imagine that big old skull sitting there on that 2-ounce bone. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment, and if it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it is designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away. Now, I had migraines, too. I got my atlas adjusted. The migraines went away. The hay fever never came back. The migraines never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, psoriasis, migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper, Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people that we know. And you need to call them to see if they can help you. Now, the number, again, for your free consultation is 501-279-2009, or just go to the website, turnmypoweron.com. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, there might be a way for you to get some help, too. Go to that website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor. And I sure hope that you can. Thank you once again to Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree. They are doctors, they are friends, they are advertisers, and we really appreciate them for helping to make it possible for us to do what we do, especially when we come to this part of the show. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show. Tweet up. Wait a minute. I goofed up. I'm supposed to say, okay, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show. Tweet of the day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online the way you want to. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Okay, today's Red River Your Way tweet of the day is from Steve Krakauer, and 
He's the executive producer for the Megyn Kelly show. And he says, Daryl Brooks was found guilty yesterday of intentional homicide for the Waukesha, Wisconsin Parade Massacre. Brooks was mentioned just two times on CNN, only one time on MSNBC, during the four-week trial, despite there being cameras in the courtroom and Brooks representing himself, and make a fool out of himself, if, if you don't mind me saying so. Just so you know, in case you remembered the Christmas Parade Massacre in Waukesha, Wisconsin last year, and have wondered what has happened. Oh, this guy's been on trial. That's what happened. And the mainstream media has been ignoring it. So good job, Steve Krakauer, on that one. And thank you once again, Mitch Ward and the folks at RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring today's tweets of the day. This is episode 269 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Thursday, October 27th, 2022. That's what you've been listening to. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Thursday, October 27th, 2022.